Johnny Cage, Kenobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya, Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao Kahn, Fuck, Chameleon, Cyrax, Earth, Makabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quanshi, Shinnok, Sabrina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Goracho, Drami, Fosu's now, Tan, Kenshi, Mavado, Mocap, Moloch, Katara, Ashra, Dairo, Darius, Havoc, Hotaru, Kira, Cobra, Onaga, Shijinko, Gigante, Mandalora, Cassie, Cage, Aaron, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Kongjin, Takeda, Tribe, Setrion, Scarlet, Gareth, Collector, Chronica, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Meckler, and this is the show where I walk my friends through the entirety of Mortal Kombat lore from the perspective of a single character. Welcome back. Season three. We're doing it. It's happening. It starts today. I'm psyched. Uh, This season, we're going to be covering uh, all of the characters that were introduced in the third Mortal Kombat game. Uh, And today, we're starting with Nightwolf and a very special guest, writer and narrative director, Sean Kittleson. Hello. Sean, you worked on Mortal Kombat 11. Yes, I was the narrative uh, lead and co-writer of Mortal Kombat 11. And 10 as well? I was I wrote the Mortal Kombat X comic books yes. for DC. Which have been covered extensively on the show. I know, and I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm glad that lore lives on. It does. It maybe just here. Who knows? Uh, it's out there. People know. Yeah, people, people are know. out there. I remember downloading each issue as it came out uh, on Comixology. Yes. Yeah. It was uh I I, I think it came out on was it Sundays or something? Or Fridays or something like that? It was one of those. I was yeah. still working at Nerdist, and I would read it before going to the office because I was really psyched to find out what was going to happen in the story because since Mortal Kombat 9 was a reboot but only went up to the third game in the original timeline, I was like, oh, this is uncharted territory. This could go anywhere. Who knows? Yeah. And so it was, was for me, invested. it was my... Uh, it's my chance to pander to myself uh, and my love of uh, certain 3D era characters that I felt were were not featured in the the new timeline. And who is your favorite character from the 3D era? Havoc. Havoc. Yeah. Yeah. You really gave you gave Havoc a lot of love. He was uh, like he was a primary antagonist in the comics that you wrote to the extent that I wondered if he was going to be like the secret villain of Mortal Kombat X or if he was going to be like the main villain in MK11. Man, he. To me, he's just so weird. Yeah, and he's like, the fucking weirdest. And imagine him with what Netherrealm can do now yeah. with character modeling. Because he's this guy who's like got part of his face ripped off. It's like all of his it. Body. Isn't he, he just can, like a skull head? He's, well, no, he's like... In he's, a helmet? He's like... Uh, <laughs> he's, he's been flayed. Right, okay. In places. So like, and he can rip parts of his body off and do all kinds of crazy things. Yeah, I remember him doing like some Daniel Fortescue from Medieval shit. Where he'd yeah. like rip off his arm and hit you with it and like snap his own neck just to like freak you out, man. Yeah, he's like, uh, to me, he's like, if, if you gave Deadpool's powers to the Joker, <laughs> you'd get Havoc. And I really like that aspect it's of, funny. of the character. I, I like... We rip on uh, Chaos Realm a lot on this podcast, if only because it is like the hot topic of realms in the the way that it's been presented in the games. It's like, oh, in this realm, people say goodbye when they greet you, (laughs) and they speak backwards. Um, But 
I do I do have a lot of love for Havoc. Uh, I do hope he shows back up. I, I, I would love to see him Confirm back. Confirm right games. now that he will come back in Mortal oh, Kombat man. 12. Well, I, I can say right now, <laughs> I, I no longer, I, I, I'm no longer working with NetherRealm and WB, so my opinions here are purely my own. I, I have conf- I have finished work for uh, for DLC that's that's yet to come. Uh, I'm very excited for Joker and Spawn to drop. Oh, still. man, I keep forgetting that Spawn's uh, in there. I have so many fond memories of playing as Spawn in uh, Soul Calibur 2. Oh, man. I think this is going to go way above and beyond Soul Calibur 2. I, I have a feeling this will be the best version or rendition of Spawn that's been on screen since the HBO animated series, which Dang. I was a huge fan of when I was a kid. Yeah, and me too. The fact that Keith David's coming back to do the voice is like ultimate wish fulfillment. For oh, me. man. That rules. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really hyped for it. Uh, in your opinion, since Spawn is appearing in MK11 in DLC, mm-hmm. is the Soul Calibur universe uh, just another realm uh, that Spawn has traveled betwixt uh, within the Mortal Kombat? And does that lore? then link Mortal Kombat via Soul Calibur and Spawn to Star Wars? Yes, because Yoda appeared, right? And, Darth and Vader? Zelda. Oh, yeah. See, they're all just pocket realms. We're all but a twinkle in the one being's eye. Really? We are. That's (laughs) the message of MK11. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah, I guess it really is the message of MK11 in a very literal sense. Uh, Well, awesome. Um, Very excited to have you here. Obviously, as an aficionado, as a longtime fan, as someone who's actually gotten to work on the MK games and help build some of the story. Yeah, I had a torrid affair with Mortal Kombat. You really did. A lustful, <laughs> bodice-ripping torrid affair. It produced children. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, well, before we uh, do dig into Nightwolf mm-hmm. and uh, the larger universe, large, um, last season on Mortal Podcast, we had a theme that tied uh, the entire season together. I looked at the characters introduced in MK2, and I noticed that there was one thing that did tie them together, and that was friendship. And ironically, friendship as a finishing move was introduced in the second Mortal Kombat game. So that was fun. It was a very holistic w- approach to theme. <laughs> I think mean, I yeah. really tied that one up nicely. I spotted it, and I just pulled it right in. Um, so I was looking at the characters introduced in MK3, and I saw another theme emerge uh, that I think applies to every single one of them. And that is a theme of rebirth okay. or reinvention. And so that's going to be the theme of this season. Uh, so before we dive into the character we're covering in this episode, I ask of you, Sean, uh, is there a moment in your life that you felt reborn? Is there a time that you've reinvented yourself? I can think of at least three. Let's do one. I'll give you one. <laughs> uh, I, probably I, I dropped out of college freshman year. Oh. And mm-hmm. I, I moved out here to, to L.A., and completely blew it. I, I did not accomplish anything uh, but oh. failure and uh, life experience. And oh. how old? So you were twenty. I was twenty. Twenty, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. Duck. I turned twenty. Freshman yeah, year was, of college. Yeah, right. I moved out when I was nineteen, and I, I worked on like film sets as a PA and did random jobs, but mostly I surfed and, <laughs> and got ripped a lot and like just kind of hung out. Hell and, yeah. And, and pretended I was a writer, but I didn't really write all that much, which oh. was a good lesson to learn at that age. That like, hey, if you don't do it, it, it doesn't happen, buddy. That's uh, what like I would argue most people <laughs> who identify as writers do. Yeah, uh, I'd be like, oh, I heard Charlie Kaufman was at this place. I'm gonna go sit there and write all day, and then I'd go and I'd like browse the internet. Yeah, I'd write a little bit, but I'd hate myself and I'd hate what I was writing, <laughs> and I just like. <laughs> 
sit there in embarrassment. So I had that year. In your mind, when you were doing that, did you imagine that like Charlie Kaufman would walk in and see you on your laptop and say like, hey, what are you working on? No, no, never. <laughs> Although I, I think there are people that have that. They're yeah. like, if I conspicuously look like a writer, right. my big break will happen just like in porn. Like, yeah, oh, I, I think I think you'd look nice. Someone just ride, look at like, your hands and your posture. And yeah, go, buddy, you got it. Hey, hey, man, you you, you look got, like a crescent moon. Are you your a white man with a beard? <laughs> are you a white man with a beard and some glasses? Do you, you eat I tofu? <laughs> yes, you might be I, a writer. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Kid, you made it. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I I failed. Yeah. I totally failed. So I I had to reapply to to NYU instead of going back to the film program that I dropped out of. I went back for dramatic writing and studied playwriting. And uh, that that ended up leading eventually to my career. But when I went back to school the second time uh, as a as a sophomore, but a year older than the other students in my classes, I did feel like a very different person. I, I felt I felt reborn because I had gone out and failed and screwed up about as much as a person could, and then clawed my way back to where I had right. started and and had a much better sense of what I wanted to accomplish in context. Did you feel? different in that you felt like humbled in a positive way or did you just feel like you'd kind of like cut ties with some part of yourself and were now like a better version of yourself like what was the this may have something to do with some of the psychedelics that i took during that <laughs> that gap year but i kind of came back feeling like don draper after he went to the retreat and got the coke commercial oh like, great. I, I i came back to wow college so you came back with more... the knowledge of what happens after the end of yeah Mad Men. i i left <laughs> I left college a very insecure and very unhappy person right. and, and very like feeling like, oh man, everyone here at NYU really knows who they are, really knows what they're doing. And I'm the only one who does it. And of course, everyone I think feels that way. Yeah. But when yeah, I went for the, back. For the entirety of their it, whole life. For, the whole, for their whole <laughs> life. And I still feel that way to an extent. Yeah. But I at least went back with a little bit more existential confidence of, of hey, I'm supposed to be here. Yeah. And I know that I'm not just going to be able to walk out of here and without putting in the work and putting in the effort, get anything done. And did you have a confidence at that point that things would be different if you stayed the course and put the work in, that you'd be able to come back out here and things really would happen that time? Or were oh, you yeah. still... Yeah. There's a video uh, that my buddy Steve took of me. We, we went on a cross-country road trip uh -huh. to bring me back to New York from L.A., and when he came out, I was like, we need to go to the beach one more time. So we go to the beach and I remember like ripping my shirt off all dramatic, like <laughs> really like testosterone fuel, 20 year old man being like, I will be back. Like my job is not done here. Like Were this you screaming is the this at the ocean. Shirtless? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, was like, <laughs> I was, I was a bro. Yeah. I was such a bro. Sure. I was in, I was in a very deep bro state mm -hmm. at that time. I was yeah. in a flow state of bro state. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I had my obnoxious declaration and, and then I achieved it later in life in a completely different set of circumstances that I, I never would have predicted. Yeah. You did the work. It did the work. Yeah. Yeah. It does make all the difference. Yeah. There's something funny about that, isn't yeah. it? It yeah. does. It does feel like most of trying to write professionally is just being willing to stay here the longest and keep working. Yeah. Well, and they I, keep making things and just like not 
Just, which just is partially a classist problem with the entire industry, but uh, well, that's the thing, right? If you can yeah. afford to you not have, to have a job, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if you can afford to not do anything but write or and think about your work, if you can physically tolerate uh, working a full time like job as a server or like at retail, and then come home and then write yeah. or produce something from ten to two a.m., which is like, uh, I mean, it's the older you get, the harder it gets to do that. Yeah. Uh, I used to do so many all-nighter writing sessions, and I can't. Usually, I used to. Did yeah. you? Are you a nocturnal writer? Did you only write at night? Because I went through that, and now I've completely flipped to like I'm only a daylight writer. And if I try to write at night, I feel like I'm I'm doing something wrong. I think I can still do both, but I definitely used to feel like the world kind of had to shut down for me to be able to focus. Mm-hmm. On writing, because it was like, you know, Twitter had to kind of go somewhat quiet. People had to stop texting me. Yeah. I had to not be getting any, like, Facebook posts. I didn't. I had to uh, have most of the people that I usually am in, like, a somewhat sustained conversation with all day. Yeah. Like, my wife and my best friends, like, kind of go to sleep. And then I was able to just focus on, like, disappearing into my own imagination, I yeah. guess. Um, I definitely am able to focus more now kind of at any hour when i need to but it's definitely like you kind of have to condition yourself to be able to do that or at least i did i'm sure more people have better self-control than i do well i think that's um, what i recognized in some of in some of my peers at nyu when i was a freshman yeah it's like i was lucky enough that and and i had i had a certain gift that was given to me that i didn't have to work very hard in high school mm-hmm. and i didn't have to try very hard to get good grades and sat scores and all that stuff so i kind of coasted and then i got to college and I, I i couldn't coast and i had to work but i would look next to me and i'd see these kids who were so much further along because yeah. they had already been doing that work that i hadn't done like i wrote a feature in high school but i don't think that really that's not enough. That doesn't make you a writer. It's true. It's pro- it wasn't a good feature. <laughs> you got to write like a bunch of those. <laughs> yeah, you got to you got to write like 6 to yeah. 20 of those before yeah. you really crack it. It uh, makes a difference. <laughs> but I had my one and I was like that's all it takes. I've yeah. now proven myself cuz I'm a bro and I have a high degree of confidence. I did all the work I need to do yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> I'm ready for the job, yeah. please. Sure. Uh well hey, look you were reborn, yes. and the, the reborn Sean uh, was able to rise from Mortal Kombat fam to Mortal Kombat creator. So that's yeah, tight. That's pretty creator, dope. of course, with a, a K. With a K. Yeah. And with and with my, I, I got to give a shout out to Dominic Cianciolo, my my co writer on on MK11 and Injustice Two, because he and I had a great working relationship, and I'm really proud of the work that we did together. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, maybe one day I'll get him on the show. Ah, uh, if WB will let him. Is he a, is that's he a, a trick. Chicago guy? He's is a he Chicago guy, Chicago? but you should go right. out and do it live. Yeah, I'll on go site. out there. I'll do it live. I'll get some deep dish. We'll do it live from within the dish itself. Yeah, yeah I've never been to Chicago. I'd like to go. It's awesome there. Yeah. I, I loved it. Yeah. Like working out there and, and getting to go out and meet the team and stuff. Like I looked forward to the food, to the foie gras, to mm. the vegetarian food is really good. There's just a lot of good food. Hey, as a vegetarian, as you know, uh, because we met at dinner only like a week ago. I know, right? <laughs> okay, so real quick, before we dive into specifically Nightwolf, I did want to cover just a little bit somewhat um, like basic MK lore, just since we're, we're starting the season back up. Yeah. Uh, specifically, I wanted to get into... Okay, so... There is uh, a piece of like deep mythological MK lore that has been repeated many, many, many times on the show. And we talked about it when we had dinner the other night. And you actually corrected me on a piece of it that makes way more sense. Okay. And I think it's just a piece of information that's not really out there in any like clear sense. But I just wanted to say, so at the dawn of time mm-hmm. in the MK universe, 
there was the one being. Yep. Now, how do you imagine the one being like existing? Is this like a celestial body? Is this like just a in, an intangible concept in the, like a Lovecraftian sense? Like the one being is is the sum and totality of everything. It's all matter and all energy that can neither be created nor destroyed. Great. It, it's all of it, and it's all together. And to create anything in existence requires like these little bits of the one being to kind of like pull away. Sure. There's like a little little piece of like one being dust inside inside of us all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, okay. So that's consistent more or yep. less with how he's been discussed. The thing that wasn't is that uh, most of the information I was able to find about like the beginning of MK lore kind of said that at the dawn of time there was the one being and the elder gods. Mm-hmm. But the thing that you brought up when we were talking was that the one being created the elder gods. The elder gods are also a part of the one being. Yeah. Well, the one being like, so the one being is everything. Right. And then the one being gradually allowed for existence by creating these various entities. And the elder gods are, are some of those entities, but the elder gods mostly apply to things that are uh, matters of, of terrestrial phenomena. Right. Right. The, they don't govern the laws of the universe. Uh, they don't govern the laws of physics. That's where the Titans come in. The Titans are the actual forces of nature, and right. the Elder Gods are like subservient to that, and that they are the systems that run below mm. the macro systems of physics and reality and time. So the hierarchy is like the one being creates the Titans. Mm-hmm. Did the Titans create the Elder Gods or did no. the one being all so the one being then also creates the Elder Gods, yeah. but in the hierarchy they're below the Titans? Yeah, they're filling in roles. So, like, right. the one God or the one being, there is nothing but mm-hmm. the one being. And then the one being allows for existence to happen by creating Kronika and by creating other Titans. And right. now that those Titans exist, now there's things like time. So, there can be movement and, and narrative right. and progression. And within those systems, they now need something to to work so this is how you build reality right or in the case of you know originally there's one realm and the one realm is comprised by the the one being mm-hmm. and it's run by all of these different systems and the elder gods are one system and then right above them like the operating system right is the titans <laughs> Got and it. then and then the uh the the elder gods are subroutines that keep everything tidy <laughs> and working uh and the one being when the elder gods and some of the Titans overthrow the one being. And that's kind of, I think the thing that we, we probably never talked about as much or because it's all brand new. Right. Is that the, the Titans and the elder gods want to break apart the one being to create all these different realms. Right. And they want to be in charge. So they take the thing that's basically in charge of them, rise up against it, slice it up into a, a Bunch of little pieces. Yep. Using the Kamidogu daggers. Yep. Which were created by the Elder Gods? Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, those pieces become realms that now the Elder Gods get to govern instead of uh, having to be Instead of being subroutines. Right. Right? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So Shao Kahn's whole MO is like, it's not just make Outworld great again. It's kind of make one... One being great again. Right. Uh, but let's bring it all back together. That's the way it was in the beginning. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the mission. Right. So, like, in theory, not necessarily an evil goal. No, he's an originalist. Right. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. It's such an insane, heady concept. I love that that's, like, the base mythology of uh, 
a video game series that's ostensibly about ripping people's spines out of their bodies and, and very little else. <laughs> that's like the thing. I mean, we talked about this, but the, the, that's like the thing that uh, I've always found the most enticing about Mortal Kombat. Um, since I'm not good at playing. <laughs> no, me neither. Yeah. I like I, I've never been a competitive player, and like I watch the combat cast and I pick up things from like Stephanie Brownback and mm-hmm. Tyler Lansdowne and Derek Kurtzik. Like I've learned a lot from them. But the one time that I was on the pod, the combat cast to promote the MKX comics, they're like, all right, Sean, why don't you jump in here and play a game with us? And I play one one fight, get my ass handed to me completely. And they're like, all right, let's never do that again. Let's take that away from you before uh, the fans are going nuts out there. Why'd you let this noob on? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. Hey, maybe that'll be me one day. Um, so, so... Elder Gods split up the one being, create the realms, and then a, a bazillion years pass in which these realms are, uh, you know, at first developing their own life, life and culture, and uh, there are gods that the Elder Gods create to police these realms, essentially, yep. and defend them in the case of uh, Mortal Kombat, which they say is the best way to stop uh, the realms from merging is to say, okay, but only if you intend fighting tournaments against yeah. each other. Yeah. Makes sense. High barriers, right? <laughs> like we're just disincentivizing the behavior instead of outright banning it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair, you know, because then you can't say that free will doesn't exist. Yeah. But you've made it like super hard to exert it in certain cases. Kind of like. Don't please the masters. Sounds like America today. It kind of does. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so that goes all right for a while. You know, you have your oppressors like Onaga who oppressed Outworld. Mm-hmm. Um, did he have aspirations of uniting the realms as well? The Dragon King Onaga? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then of course he's overthrown by the God who's supposed to represent his realm, Shao right. Kahn, who overthrows Outworld and saps it of its resources and climate changes it and, uh, you know, becomes its master and he wants to unite the realms and, all this happens, uh, fast forward, fast forward, fast forward through that history up to the point that Shao Kahn, the current ruler that's trying to conquer all these realms, he's successfully conquered Edenia, he's conquered many other realms, he wants to conquer Earth, he's won nine of the ten tournaments that you're yep. meant to win, uh, and then he is stumped on tournament ten, uh, thanks to Raiden, the god who defends Earth Realm, uh, and his champion, Liu Kang. Shao Kahn goes for a rematch, that also doesn't go well. And finally, Shao Kahn decides to just invade Earthrealm, and that's where Nightwolf comes in. Yeah, that's that's the that's like the the Polish invasion moment for right. for Shao Kahn. Yeah, he's like, "Fuck it, uh, gonna do a weird reincarnation, uh, marriage, green card, immigration situation where I can just come to Earthrealm now." It's so bizarre too, because the realms like don't really merge. All, like, there's a halfway point. <laughs> i always love this mid merge yeah they're just kind of yeah. mid merge yeah uh so I, I think that's a cool conceit to play with that we haven't done enough with yet yeah well hey who Half knows merge. what the future will hold who knows <laughs> uh so let's dig into nightwolf now that we've reached the point at which he enters our <laughs> story we've gone through millions billions of years yes of history <laughs> I mean, really, to just understand this man, you really have to understand the whole of time. Yeah, there's a cosmic element. Yes. So, Nightwolf is uh, a Native American warrior from, in this first timeline, the Lakota tribe, which is a real tribe. They're uh, a part of the Sioux Nation. Um, And the Lakota, uh, he is their historian and their preserver of their histories, which I do think is interesting. Initially, he's not really... 
like their you know he's not uh necessarily like the the war champion of the lakota they're yeah. they're just a tribe living in like the within north and south dakota where their current lands are and uh they're not exactly going to war on a regular basis with ethereal nope. beings he's just kind of like their historian and their preserver but he's not um he's not i believe in this time on the shaman he's just like a member of the tribe he's like the keeper keeper of culture and stuff right. but i think there are some shamanic there are roles that he plays that would overlap yes. with what a shaman would would do it seems that way yeah. right because when he is called to action when he finds out that Shao Kahn and the forces of like another dimension are invading uh, Earth, that's the moment where he's like, well, now I see that the Lakota are in trouble. I have to defend my tribe, my peoples. And he, as the third game said in his bio, draws power from his tribe's shaman yep. to become a warrior and go uh, and defend Earthrealm and thus the Lakota. Which is such a like not the thing you would think the librarian would do. Right. It's an Indiana Jonesy kind of thing where it's like a warrior librarian rises. Yeah, but it's like Indiana Jones being like, now listen, I need you to I need you to power me up mm -hmm. and then I'm just gonna go kill Hitler. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking do this. Like <laughs> In a very in a very like Mortal Kombat y sense, I feel like it's it's implying like the world hidden behind the world. Because you would imagine yeah. that in this world that like the Lakota are the Lakota as they are today. They're just living life. Uh, and there is one member of the tribe who knows of a secret actual magic he can draw upon yeah. and use in combat. Yeah. Um, I think the unfortunate thing is that because he's the only representative for that there, it seems like you could you could misconstrue it. And it's, it has been classically misconstrued or uh, or correctly construed, as it were, as, as being sort of a token thing. Yes, I mean it undeniably is. It's yeah. it's picky. It's adding one Native American character to the games and giving him every stereotypical trait of a Native American warrior, um, and that is something that happened. And is just true about just, the character Nightwolf. Yeah, yeah just mystical <laughs> yeah. and uncomplicated in his benevolence, and and that's it. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. I think how you guys have tried to mitigate that uh in the modern reinvention of nightwolf but yeah. we'll i don't want to derail you though we'll, we got we'll, a lot we'll of get history there. yeah we got some soulnados to get through first we do, we do have precisely one soulnado <laughs> to get through first <laughs> um and yeah and we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit but in this iteration of nightwolf his job is to defend his tribe so he uh goes to raiden and he says you know let me join the fight yep. to help defend earth realm uh, against this these forces and Raiden of course being a sort of uh, all-knowing earth presence is like well I obviously I already know who you are sounds yeah. good help me out <laughs> I've been watching you yeah so <laughs> Nightwolf joins this battle and I, something else I haven't ever been entirely clear about but is it meant to be New York City that this big battle is occurring in or is it Chicago I've always thought it was Chicago okay it would make sense that it is I think for me it was like I've personally never been to Chicago, so there's only so much of the culture that I'm entirely aware of of that city. Gotcha. And so I saw that big skyline, and I saw, like, Stryker, who does come off as kind of like a classical NYPD guy. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I guess that's, like, New York, which is the classical first place that uh, now you're making choose me choose to attack. <laughs> it, could be, it could be New York, but it should be Chicago, because those games are born and bred in Chicago. Yeah, they're Chicago games. Yeah. I, so, I think there's a lot of Chicago love in there. Yeah. Let's assume it is Chicago. I'm going to say, I'm going to say then, definitively don't at me. <laughs> I think, in my opinion, it's Chicago. Okay. 
Okay. We'll say Chicago Fire. I, I may have said it to New York before on the podcast. I do. I've come around to thinking like it is more than likely Chicago. It wow. may also be an entirely fictional city because this is not our. Yeah. Earth. No. And, and look, the, the message of MK11 is that your head cannon counts too, buddy. So <laughs> if you want it to be New York, let it be New York. Right. If deep so dish is not for you. Is canon. Is yeah. What saying. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Uh, Nightwolf goes to the city of, let's say, Chicago, <laughs> and just starts hanging out with like movie star Johnny Cage, special forces operative Sonya Blade, Liu Kang, a Shaolin monk who has trained his entire life for this fight, uh, and lots of other strange characters to fight, like you know, centaurs. <laughs> it sounds like they're going to put on a like a, a UN holiday spectacular, right? Like. But instead, they go to actual war in the streets of a major city yes. against dragons and centaurs. Yeah, they're fighting demons <laughs> demons you name it yeah they're out there yeah, and they're man. doing it uh and so yeah Nightwolf he joins that fight i don't think there is like a canon significant like battle that occurs for him there no. what's important is that he bears witness to Liu kang striking the final blows against shao khan himself ending that battle and uh night wolf at that point returns to the lakota his job done he's defended his tribe yep uh, fast forward a pretty long time. Yeah. Many years pass. And over that time, Nightwolf actually does become the shaman of the Lakotas per canon for mm-hmm. the uh, for the original timeline. And he, during that time, bears witness to the invasion uh, by the fallen elder god Shinnok from the Netherrealm uh, to the rise of the two sorcerers, uh, Shang Tsung and Quan Chi, who call themselves the Deadly Alliance. He sees uh, many of his former allies slain, as well as Liu Kang, um, who has been up to that point the savior of Earthrealm. He's the guy that stopped Shinnok. He's the guy who, you know, may have stopped the Deadly Alliance had he not been straight up murdered by them. Uh, And he doesn't get involved in any of that. He kind of takes a stance of one would imagine, although it's never been stated outright canonically, uh, I either have secret knowledge that this is not a concern of the Lakota or... Um, it has not been a concern of the Lakota yet, and so I will wait to get involved yeah, until he, it's... He's Tulsi Gabbard vote, voting present. Yeah, he's straight up gabbing it. Um, <laughs> yo Gabba Gabba. Nice. He's going all Yo Gabba Gabba <laughs> and saying like, hey, not my problem yet. Yeah. I'm not getting involved. Nightwolf, everything is fucked. Well, I'm here to watch it. <laughs> I mean, like, do you think the Russians were paying uh, Nightwolf to not get involved? You know, who knows if it was the Russians or the Ukrainians? <laughs> I mean, it's so hard to tell the difference. It's these so days. hard to tell when a very Just specific group of people so hard, are, uh, who've yeah. been in the pocket of one particular group of people have said that it's the other group of people. Well, you know, if you can track one group back to the KGB, you could probably track the other group back to the KGB, and it just becomes one big KGB or a Burroughs, and everyone's just yeah. working for themselves. KG Burroughs. KG Burroughs. <laughs> that's that's the next uh, that's the next original Mortal Kombat character. Is KG Burroughs. KG Burroughs. He's a snake. It's a he's snake. a snake man. It's a snake who's literally got his head up his own ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's he's just clad in Soviet era Russian garb. I could see that being a move. A snake man that shoves his own head up his ass and does kind of like a hook style tumble. Well, yeah, like a like a Molina roll or yeah. just kind of like like Great. across the fight line. I could see it happen. So you're saying you confirm that Molina's coming back for Mortal Kombat? <laughs> In the form of KG Boros, yes. In the form of KG Boros, <laughs> Snake Man. Uh, great. <laughs> um, so yeah, Nightwolf has managed to maintain some, uh, I wouldn't say impartiality, but has not gotten involved until he begins having visions. Mm-hmm. Visions specifically of 
a figure he has not had any interactions with up to this point, the Dragon King Onaga, who is a an oppressor of another realm entirely, of Outworld, from a long, long time ago. He was a guy who became the king, started doing awful necromancy shit, having an immortal army that he would just increasingly raise every time they were slain in battle. Yep. Uh, so they were unstoppable. He was trying to conquer realms. And then he got betrayed by Shao Kahn, who's obviously old news at this point. But uh, lo and behold, Nightwolf's having these visions. Onaga's coming back. He knows. It's, it's bad news bears. He knows. And that's the real threat to He Earth. can feel it coming in the air tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so first, you know, he ignored these visions for some reason, but eventually, (laughs) (laughs) eventually he saw one specific, I don't know if he saw this in a literal sense or in a vision. It's never been particularly clear, but he saw a reptile, a real guy he knew from doing battle against him because he was like a henchman of Shao Kahn's becoming the vessel for the return of Onaga, becoming the vessel for Onaga's soul. So I think that was the moment where he was like, oh shit, I know that guy. These aren't just dreams. These are literal uh, visions of what will happen, yeah. what will occur. I have to do something. So at Nightwolf, at that point, big sea change for him. Up to this point, he's been like a very noble, like can't do anything wrong uh, sort of vision of the, the the Native American like token mm-hmm. hero. Yeah. Um, and at this point, there's a change, which is still very much a different kind of tokenism, but uh, he decides the only way to stop Onaga... He's unkillable because he's mastered necromancy to such a great degree. Um, The only way is to bind his soul to the nether realm, to like hell for all eternity. Um, And there is a specific method of doing something like that that comes with the lore of his tribe, of the Lakota. And I'm certain that this is very much a bastardization if there's any version of this in Lakota history. Are we about to talk about sin eating? We are about to talk about sin eating. So that that is definitely a European construct yes. that has now been projected onto the Lakota. Yes. At this point in the mythology, we are we have we have gone full tilt Walt Disney. Uh, mm-hmm. This is not this is Song of the South. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's be it's beyond that. And that it's like straight up just taking lore from an entirely different culture and just going pin the tail on the donkey. Like ah, uh, sure, fuck, this could be a Lakota thing. I mean, white people don't know the difference. So, uh. <laughs> And they're the ones that play, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Those were the days. <laughs> sure. And I'm glad we're past. We are. We are very much. Uh, well, to, to, well, to, to, well, that I'm glad that a portion of us have passed. And, yeah. and, you know, the rest will catch up. We're we're hell, We're trying. You got to take uh, a step. And, yeah. And that step's been taken. But at this point in the lore, as it is, as it was canonically, as it was in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, made. <laughs> Uh, Nightwolf reached back to sin eating, being a part of uh, a knowledge at least that was imparted to him as part of the Lakota. Maybe you could say, if you were trying to be very generous, that it was a tradition that made its way over to the states and specifically to a very ancient sect of the Lakota who then passed that uh, through just their shamans. Through the, so it was a Catholic missionary. Yeah, that'd be like the one, uh, only a little less racist <laughs> version yeah. of it. If you were to craft one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he has the knowledge of the Sin Eater, which in this iteration in Mortal Kombat lore means uh, for him eating the sins of his uh, Lakota brethren and uh, in doing so corrupting your own soul. So it's right. very, very much an act of self-sacrifice. It's a Lakota Jesus. Yeah, it's Lakota Christ moves. And, yeah. uh, and so Nightwolf's plan is to do the Sin Eater ritual and corrupt his own soul 
which would allow him transport to the nether realm. He can only be a corrupt soul to go there, at which point he will lure Onaga's soul uh like here buddy come on (laughs) this way this way with a come hither stare and a bottle of wine (laughs) (laughs) and then then once he has lured him to the nether realm barf up all of the sins and that will somehow like be a barf trap that will bind onaga's soul to the nether realm for all time i just realized that is a complete inversion of the evil dead swallow your soul it's i'll vomit your soul uh and somehow that will be Basically, what swallowing your soul does in in Evil Dead, man, it's ta- a barf trap instead. Tasting souls just just always dicey in fiction. I, yeah. I don't know. You just shouldn't drink from that cup. No, don't do it. No, sometimes maybe one soul is enough. No, it's it's the uh, it's it's the peach tea in Batman v Superman. Oh lordy, is that what the peach tea re- uh, symbolized? Drinking a soul. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Or was it just literally piss? You know what? Uh, the, with that movie, you can't tell. I'm pretty sure it was Souls, though. I'm pretty sure. Hey, I'm pretty sure Jesse Eisenberg souls, was a warlock. That is canonically true in Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Onaga comes back in the third act of Batman v Superman. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't made it to the third fight. act. Yeah, that's who they're fighting? Yeah, yeah. I got to give it Onaga. another look. Yeah. Gave it away in the trailer. I can't believe you missed it. I got to check it out. <laughs> Um, yeah, so despite the fact that it would mean corrupting his soul, uh, and specifically corrupting it in a way where he would lose a lot of control of himself, Nightwolf decides to do it. So he consumes the souls, uh, consumes the sins, sorry, of the Lakota, corrupts his own soul, and is prepared, uh, to do the next step, which is going down to the nether realm, basically hell, uh, on a solo mission so that he doesn't accidentally hurt any of his friends, to like prepare an Onaga trap. Always, always the best idea for a hero. Like, you know yeah. what I think is gonna work? I'm just gonna go alone. Yeah. This yeah. always works out. I'm just gonna go on a little solo mish. But you know what? It actually did work out. It did. It did work out for Nightwolf. Uh, he goes down uh, to the Nether Realm and he's like, I'm t- it's time for me to set my Onaga trap. He sets it. He returns uh, to, I, f- I believe it was, was it Outworld where the final battle occurred against Onaga? Oh, wow. It was either Outworld or I think it was Outworld because it was Lee, it was Lee, it was Lee May's say. people who were right. being forced to build the location where Onaga was resurrected. And I wouldn't be surprised if in uh, MK lore that was also where the last stand against Onaga occurred. It would but make it's sense. It's possible that it was Adenia. It was one or the other. At this point, they yeah. were also kind of like pseudo merged again yeah, yeah so it could be one in the same well and we're, we're now in like chaos realm and order realm territory yeah we're at deception now so we are so we're deep in deception we're, deep. we're nearing the end I we're nearing armageddon the the year is 2004 <laughs> i am 21 years old i'm 15 I, I can actually like like recall where i am when i'm playing all of these games in a weird way same i remember uh, deception I'm, I'm playing it on like a at most like 12 inch tv tube tv and i'm lying on the hard tile floor of my bedroom in florida uh and looking up at the tv that's like maybe 20 inches away from my face yep and uh <laughs> playing the hell out of it i was playing uh, on gamecube oh yeah i was an xbox guy at that point i was xbox in it mm-hmm. i had both i switched it up so so nightwolf uh you know he set his onaga trap he's good to go Nightwolf returns to... His barf trap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nightwolf returns uh, to Outworld or Adenia or Outworld Denia, and uh, he's ready to go, like, kill the dragon King Onaga so that his soul will be separated from his body momentarily, knowing that that's never permanent with Onaga. Right. But then he can draw it to the to nether realm. He's, yeah, he's going to enact his plan when he gets up there and sees it already the ghost of Liu Kang. Uh, Ermac, who, you know, is a creation of Shao Kahn, this ninja made up of hundreds of thousands of souls. Yep. Uh, and this guy named Shujinko, who's a man that uh, Onaga had been manipulating since his childhood. As Damashi. As Damashi, which is like a fake uh, spirit <laughs> creature that had just been manipulating him since he was a kid yep. into eventually resurrecting him. As you do. Yeah. The three of them are already like beating up Onaga. Yeah. So, so Nightwolf shows up and he's like, oh shit, okay, great. Well, I'm just, I'll just, I'm going to jump in on this. So he joins the fray. Uh, four of them beat Onaga up and it's specifically Shujinko who takes back the power in his own narrative yeah. and, and kills Onaga. Um, that frees the souls of all of their friends that Onaga had uh, stolen the souls of basically and recreated as his like army of the undead, yep. um, including, you know, Johnny Cage and Sonya and all those people that... Nightwolf had met back in Chicago all those years ago. All those years ago, they had that deep dish. Yeah. Vegan milkshakes. Yeah, the guys that he was sharing that deep dish with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, they're all freed, and uh, Nightwolf successfully goes back to the Nether Realm, and, and the barf trap works, and he uh, binds Onaga's soul uh, to the Nether Realm, and he did it. He's successful. And uh, it's unclear if his soul is completely clean, but I believe it is at this point because he's able to travel back to Earthrealm and yeah. return to uh, his tribe. But he does say that, like, doing so is torturous. Like, he feels like eternities passed as he traveled through the spirit realm yeah. in order to return to Earth. But he did. Um, he had to pay the troll toll. He had to pay the troll toll. <laughs> he had to answer the questions three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Nightwolf... Uh, as he does finally return home, is immediately confronted by these wolf spirits. And uh, the wolf spirits are kind of, I think, just a way that the ancestors of the Lakota in this very specific... Uh, American Wakanda. Yeah. Um, it's their way It's their way of trying to wedge that into the Lakota. And so uh, these wolf spirits tell him um, there's this great battle coming. Every warrior uh, you've ever met know of or even haven't met will be participating the forces of light the forces of dark and they're going to go to war and it's going to be horrible and they're all being manipulated by a hidden evil um and so nightwolf's like well, yeah that sounds bad so terrible once once, you, <laughs> once people start throwing light and dark around as terms yeah we're we're there we're in trouble whether yeah. or not that's gonna occur the fact that people are even thinking that way not a good place to be yeah the shit has already hit the fan the fan's been shitted yeah yeah so <laughs> uh so nightwolf is like yeah i gotta that's not great and he hears that there's a forces of light uh meetup so he's like oh great i'm gonna go meet up with those guys and when he gets there johnny cage is like hey here's what's going on there's going to be this big battle uh, because there's a pyramid that's been rising called the Pyramid of Argus. I believe it's rising in Adenia. It's the Pyramid of Argus. I believe so. Because Argus was the god that protected Adenia right. way back when, right? So that must be where his pyramid is. Yeah. I've never actually thought about where the pyramid is, to be honest with you. I've, I've literally never considered. I think it's it has just there. to be it's in Adenia because that's like Argus is from there. That, that's the what makes sense. The two brothers. Taven that are, and Dagon. Yeah, the two demigods, Taven and Dagon, who yeah. are meant to be part of the harbingers of this pyramid rising are from there. So it's got to be in Adenia. But basically Johnny's like, this is pyramid rising in Adenia. 
the there pyramid. are people listening by the way who are like who the fuck are Taven and Dagon yes like oh for sure <laughs> and uh answers answers will be coming in uh three seasons there you go there you go <laughs> yeah um so they don't really they're not really important to Nightwolf's story in this case what's important is that he is told this pyramid's gonna rise uh whoever gets to the top of the pyramid is gonna fight a giant fire elemental called blaze Blaze. whoever kills blaze will gain the basically the power of the one being um and be all powerful and a bunch of bad guys want it shinnok has returned the fallen elder god he's assembling the forces of darkness they're going to try to get up there uh that's bad so now we have to assemble the forces of light and stop them and nightwolf is like yeah i mean that makes sense of course i'm in we're getting the whole gang together get the whole gang's coming back together i do have a question for you elementals how do they factor into the hierarchy of elder god uh i would i would put them to me you could categorize them around they're more titan on the titan scale than god okay so they're they're like above the titans i wouldn't sorry above the uh the elder gods they could i would put them in an in-between space even okay so it's kind of like if elder gods are the left and titans are like slightly higher to the right uh the titans or sorry the elementals are, are like kind of hovering betwixt yeah it's in the like center. it's like how close are you to the one being right how far are you from the source right right, and right. how many how, how far down the hierarchy do you go in mm. physical physical matter right i take a very scientific approach to this like i think like, that's the only way to do it the only like, way to comprehend it yeah no we, we went real neil degrasse tyson yeah uh, you have to to plot this stuff you have to yeah Great. Makes sense. It's, it's got to make sense. Well, it's got to make sense. There's a chart the somewhere at Netherrealm. There are charts. Whiteboards and there's there's all kinds of crazy shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then there's also yeah. just replaying the old games. Right. Uh, and it's, going back I mean, there. Being I like, do, all right, how do we fit this together? I adore that all of this has kind of been in there from the beginning. Yeah. Even if it wasn't it expertly communicated with what limited technology they had. This has all been there from the very, very beginning. Well, I can share a secret yeah. that, that I've never shared. This would, will be an exclusive. I would love this a Mortal exclusive. Podcast exclusive. Uh, I I was actually, I never wrote a second season of the Mortal Kombat X comic books. But if I had, uh, my, my story for them was Onaga. Like, uh. And we kind of hint at the end of the MKX comics that like Goro's around... Dagon and the Red Dragon are around, and these guys they worship Onaga and they want to bring Onaga back. And Goro becomes the vessel oh, in the new timeline. Right, because at the end of the MKX comics, he goes to the Red Dragon and says, "He has no arms. He had his yeah. he Kotal Khan ripped his arms off, mm-hmm. cut his arms off. So he's 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 been completely humiliated and debased, and he'll do anything. And he thinks that he's going to get these powers." via onaga but it turns out he's just going to be the vessel for onaga wow and spoiler alert because it'll never get written i mean we're four years out yeah from the, this it's done the whole I, timelines I, I wrote a whole game yeah i blew up the timeline at this point <laughs> yeah. so uh, uh I, I can't go back i did it to myself but uh but no like he the the idea would be that you know goro would come out of this with his arms intact again that that through various means and and whatnot that we would have a a goro transformation and then exercise onaga from goro and we'd have our four-armed goro back but we'd also have a fight with onaga to contend with that's tight it was gonna be dope dude i am i'm super bummed well Uh, i guess there regardless i would i would argue that that means canonically that that is what uh happened I mean, it's so heavily in implied that at the, yeah. like the final and pages of the comic. And it had to have just been resolved. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I sort of, I tried to think of it that way. I, I don't know if there's that many intros or dialogue exchanges that shade that, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I wrote some Towers of Time that, that do. So then it's I'm going to just in incorporate head. it and yeah. consider it canon. It when we get to the 3D era, I'm bringing it up. Bring it up. Bring That's it up. That's part of an August story. Because people say... ask. They're always like, how did he get his arms back? We see him dead in MK11, but you said uh... he, cut his, he lost his arms. How did he get them back? My father has been asking me for years now. <laughs> Literally, like every conversation, be like, Dad, I got some great news for you. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna get to write a new game, and I can't tell you what it is, but it rhymes with Vorpal Wombat. And he's like, well, you're going to give Goro his arms back? I'm like, yeah, of course. Uh, if I can, I, I don't Dude, know. Dude, your dad rules. My dad does rule. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, well, to, to, now, Sorry, now I completely I have more... derailed us now. Well, no, 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 but now completely I have more questions. Us. One of those is, who killed Goro? Or is it a spoiler for you to tell me that? Who killed Goro? Yeah. Would be a spoiler. Okay. Yeah. So don't tell me who killed Goro. Yeah. Uh, another question I have is, who would you say killed Onaga? Since Onaga canonically would have had to have been dealt with by the time mk11's story began yes but had come back by the middle of i guess it sounds like mkx who who took him down it was going to be like a joint venture basically like we were going to have another moment where the realms have to unite okay so Uh, it's going to be like kotalkan and cassie cage and uh you'd have basically all the champions sub-zero would have been a big a big element in it like that was sort of that was the other thing that the end of the comic series tease up Sub-Zero for a bigger story. Right. Where season one was all about Scorpion and Takeda. Season two was really going to be the Sub-Zero anchor story. Shit, that's cool. I know. DC, you fucked well, up. Uh, hey, you know, one day. People Someday. love doing what if comics. Yeah. If enough people complain. I just spoiled it though, so I blew the whole pitch. Well, maybe. <laughs> then now you can mix it up. And then I have to go back and re-record. Um, there you go. <laughs> Uh, but, but, you know, back to Nightwolf. So Nightwolf had just met up with the, 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 the forces of light and they decided like, we, we got to take out, uh, the bad guys. We got to go fight them at the base of this pyramid. Um, and before that meeting ended, Princess Katana, a princess of Adenia who'd united with the forces of Earthrealm and had a love story with Liu Kang, who at this point, you know, his dad is just a spirit. Mm-hmm. She approaches Nightwolf and she says, Hey, uh, just so you know, Liu Kang's spirit, who I know that you'd become quite close with while you were fighting Onaga. <laughs> Uh, I've been acting as a vessel for his spirit so that he could always be with me because we're still in love, but I can't do it for much longer. I don't have that like ability. And Nightwolf is like, well, obviously I'm very connected to the spirit realm. That's a big part of who I am. And he volunteers to be Liu Kang's anchor, to basically share his body with Liu Kang's spirit, which I feel is like is a crazy story point that is very much like not harped on in yeah. the game in which that happens what that part Nightwolf of his is body, essentially Liu Kang like what part of his body do you think Liu Kang was in um do you hmm. think it was a brain his was legs heart? knowing Liu Kang oh yeah oh yeah 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 do, like I guess can Nightwolf do the bicycle kick in uh Armageddon I feel no. like no but he should have been nobody should have been able to yeah. yeah yeah but uh huh so he well. carried that much like uh, Norman Reedus with a baby in Death Stranding. Yes. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. The bridge. Ba- Liu Kang was the bridge baby. Yeah. That was carried with Nightwolf into the final battle, the Battle of Armageddon. Yeah. The final, at, final at the battle. The Pyramid of Argus. The final, final battle for this timeline. So uh, at that battle, when it did finally come, uh, Nightwolf died, as mm-hmm. everyone did. Everyone. Uh, what we know canonically is that he killed Shiva with an arrow, um, and then he died. And he got pretty close to the top of that pyramid. 
which makes sense when you think that he was really the combined forces of Nightwolf and Liu Kang, uh, who had been like the champion of Earthrealm many times over at that point. Um, at that point, he's tier one. He is. He's tier one. Yeah. He's tier one. Um, but Nightwolf did die. Uh, everyone did. The only survivors, or at least the only two people who made it to the top of that pyramid were Raiden, uh, you know, the protector of Earthrealm, and Shao Kahn, the conqueror who for forever was trying to conquer Earth and all the other realms. Yep. And um, Shao Kahn successfully killed Blaze. Uh, absorbed Blaze's powers and was about to uh, squish uh, Raiden's head with a big old hammer. Gallagher style. Gallagher style. Gallagher 2 style. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Raiden, saving grace, was to do something he apparently had been able to do the entire time, which is send a message back in time to his younger self. And that message was way too vague. Uh, and it was, he must win. Yeah. The, mo- the most vague you could be. Mm-hmm. And because of how vague it was, it created an entirely new timeline because now you had Raiden who didn't just not know what exactly to do, but was making uninformed decisions based on what he thought maybe his future self was trying to tell him to do. Oh my god, I just realized Raiden, Raiden in MK9 is the protagonist of Disco Elysium, which, which is about a detective who wakes up naked in a hotel room, uh, not sure what he's doing in that hotel room, and walks out of the room and is immediately told that, hey, there's a dead body in the back, and you're supposed to solve the case. And he's like, oh, I better get on that. And they're like, you've been here for five days, and you haven't solved this case. What's wrong with you? And he's like, I don't know. I can barely remember, but I'll stumble around a bit and see if some things work. And that's Raiden in wow. MK9. A lot yeah. of, he's like, I went drinking. I had a vision. I know someone must win. <laughs> I don't know it's who. He. I, it's a, it's, it's, it's he. someone who identifies as a man. It's he. Every he man in the room pronouns. is immediately like, well, it's definitely me, bro. Uh, <laughs> that is pretty much uh, Kung Lao's entire vibe. Yeah. 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 No, that's that's Kung Lao 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. But not Nightwolf. He's not, he's not that guy. No, but Nightwolf's, Nightwolf does take a more central uh, point in the storyline, at least to begin with. Yes. Uh, in this timeline. So... All of a sudden, we're in a new timeline, and for the most part, I think a lot of these characters, their lore changed from the point of Raiden at the very first, uh, at the story of the first Mortal Kombat game, so at the 10th Mortal Kombat tournament in a row against Outworld, uh, receiving that message and starting to change his decisions, which led to a butterfly effect changing the lives of uh, a bunch of people in the world of Mortal Kombat. Um, But more things changed for Nightwolf. Nightwolf was genuinely retconned. Yes. From the very beginnings of his uh, origins. I will say this, that uh, his personality actually still kind of click, elements of it mm-hmm. kind of click if you were to say like, that's yeah, the same Nightwolf. He's just had a different origin. But the one thing that you guys did very specifically change that is just not the same as the original timeline is uh, that he's no longer from the real Lakota tribe. He's from yeah. the fictional Matoka tribe. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know... That was a smart change. That was a, yes. <laughs> a way of avoiding. Um, you don't. If you're going to take a real culture, you need to do a lot of work to make sure that you reflect that culture accurately. Yeah, you and, need to communicate with members of that culture. You need to do yeah. a lot of research. Uh, and you it need just to include people. It's maybe not even appropriate to no. try to do that in a game like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Which is ostensibly it's a fantasy, and you want to be able to bend rules and do stuff and imbue characters with new powers and and why would you why would you bastardize something that exists and is real and means something very specific to to real people and a real culture? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a new one, the Matoka. <laughs> 
Now, uh, the Matoka tribe, entirely fictional, so you do have more leeway. And I also think that you guys, uh, it does seem like you've made more of an effort to be more uh, responsible with finding ways to uh, respect the uh, a more realistic version of a Native American character and also um, make them a richer, make him a richer character. Yeah. Uh, which was good. It was all good. Yeah. <laughs> all, if you're going to retcon a character, all of those were the exact right decisions, and you absolutely had to retcon this one. Uh, and so he yeah. comes out pretty badass, I feel like. In, yeah, MK9 he's... in particular, like a lot of people uh, by the end of MK9 look like they've been duped and had their asses kicked. But but I think Nightwolf acquits himself pretty well. He definitely does. Uh, he gets some big hero moments. So let's talk about this. So yeah. in this timeline... Um, to go all the way back to Nightwolf's, uh, origins in this timeline, he was born, uh, Grey Cloud. We find out that Nightwolf is not a name. Nightwolf is a title. Yep. And it is quite, it's a mantle. Quite, it's a mantle. It is quite like Black Panther in that, uh, it is, uh, culturally for the Matoka tribe, uh, a mantle that is gifted, um, by the spirits that protect this tribe. The Great uh, Spirit, specifically. The Great Spirits yep. uh, to someone who will be charged with defending the tribe using spiritually enhanced uh, magic abilities. Yeah. Yeah. Which is tight. So he's a superhero, essentially. It's I, Well, I mean, you know, you, you're living in a world with Tarkatans and Shao Kahn's and Shinnok's and you need some green magic to throw around. Oh, you're not going to get I very far. I love green far. magic. Yeah. Green magic's my favorite color magic. Oh, it's so good. It is. So many things you can do with green. Mostly soul-based. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. <laughs> so, so Nightwolf, uh, before he was Nightwolf, when he was just Grey Cloud, he grew up uh, an angry kid, uh, born into poverty, uh, and who resented his ancestors because the way he saw it, they had like given up their land to colonizers you know, yeah. hundreds of years ago. Um, so his resentment was very much turned inward towards his ancestors and towards the Matoka. Um, and he was approached one day as like a teen, I believe, would you say a teenager yeah, probably, or like younger? He's probably in his twenties. Twenties. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's probably in his twenties. Okay. So he reaches adulthood, yeah. uh, and is approached by Kano, who's, you know, an opportunistic mercenary, uh, from who leads the black dragon clan. And yep. their whole thing is finding weapons from different, worlds either magical or technological and yep. uh selling them to other people being lords of war uh yeah and he's really taken that to like the farthest degree in the most recent timeline which rules <laughs> yeah he's he's mr like mystical arms dealer like he will sell anything to anyone yeah. anywhere i just love that he's like selling rocket launchers to sorcerers and selling magic to other oh, sorcerers yeah. oh yeah <laughs> Man, there's oh, a magic nuke. to the U.S. Army. There's a moment in the MKX comics where we have him, he like sells a nuke. Oh yeah, <laughs> to to like uh, doesn't he sell it to Kotal Khan? Yeah, yeah. He's he's there's some crazy shit in that one. <laughs> yeah, but that was the idea. It was like he's he's this double dealing yeah. arms dealer, and if you're gonna bring something to uh, to Outworld, it's probably gonna be some human tech. But in the case of Great Cloud. Uh, he was trying to steal Matoka artifacts. Right, which I assume were weapons of some kind, or weapons. at least that he could be able to use as weapons or yeah. a way to imbue magic in other ways. Because that seems to be most of his stuff is about accruing, ri- accruing riches by selling uh, weapons, yeah. arms dealers. Yeah. Okay. So, so Kano approaches him and uh, approaches Grey Cloud and says, like, I want you to steal some Matoka artifacts for me, and if you do so, I'll give you untold riches. 
which I imagine he seventy five dollars. Was... <laughs> <laughs> it would have been at least seven figures. Yeah, I imagine for like Gray Cloud, it was a matter of like he grew up poor and resentful of his ancestors. Yeah, because he's like, great, fuck them. I'll take the artifact. I'll get rich. Who cares? Yeah. I I end up very uh, realistic. Very different uh, yeah. version of the character, and I think you know I talked about this uh, before we were recording, but a lot of that came from the sort of let's not make him Sidney Poitier mm-hmm. in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, where he he becomes a different kind of token, and it's the like oh, he can never say anything that's against the white masters he has to be perfect always be perfect no no rough edges no no sharp points just uh someone who is generally agreeable goes along with the plan and and services the needs of the greater needs of the the great white heroes yeah and now he's not that at all like he's he's got opinions he's got an attitude and he's by expressing those things we allow him to like feel like a fully realized character who can have frustrations as well as those heroic and aspirational beats which he does have right and he still maintains uh but you know with, with a little more flavor on it a little more spice and a little less of the like hello i am the native and i have nothing to express but my support <laughs> and my mysticism yeah. yeah and my animality like that's it you're like okay i don't know much about this guy but he is he is way narked up on some valium and we need to we need to, <laughs> we need a jolt so. yeah give him some tude yeah so now yeah. he's got some tude so so he's sort of at a crossroads then at this point gray cloud he's going to do something that's going to uh you know permanently desecrate the legacy of his ancestors yep um and bef- right before he does it like right when he's at the the moment he decides not to yep um, he, he just realizes that he's not actually that person. Um, even if he holds resentments, uh, he does have respect for his ancestors and, uh, he can't, he, he can't realizes he'd be no better yeah. like, like, than the things that he hated. The things that he has openly resented, uh, yeah. his entire life. Yeah. So he comes back to Kano and he says, yeah, actually, fuck it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to steal those, uh, those, uh, artifacts for you. Uh, and Kano responds in a very Kano fashion by beating the ever-loving shit out of Grey Cloud mm-hmm. to the extent that he's going to kill him, right? Yeah, he's left for dead. So he beats him and just walks away, leaves I mean, him for he's, dead. He's like shot. He's stabbed. Oh, shit. He's, so he's, he's like thoroughly he's mutilated. Up. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. He's, he's like had an x-ray move done on him. Oh, my God. So. Okay. Yeah. And then at that moment, uh, Grey Cloud's ancestors finally uh, bestow upon him the title of Nightwolf, the Great Spirits. The Great Spirit is the one. It's not. It's not even really the ancestors. Oh, at that okay. Point. The Great Spirit is uh, a separate being, a sort of an entity that has an affinity with the Matoka tribe. Okay. Uh, so it's it's not the little like he still has a, a sense of reverence for the ancestors and all that stuff. But we also didn't. Want but they to were make just it, people. Yeah, we didn't want to make it straight up Black Panther. Yes. Where he goes into this other vision okay. world and and where that's what it's all about. So we we really made it where the Great Spirit is sort of like. The, the Raiden or the courier that helps transfer the mantle from one generation to the next. Right. So you might imagine that like at the dawn of time, as we perceive it, when Raiden was like gifted this new planet that he was going to watch over, um, there was one spirit in particular that was either was a Matoka or was uh, just a spirit that kind of existed in an ethereal sense that decided to dedicate its being to protecting yeah 
spirits did. spirits that dwelled within the lands and then you know as as you do mm-hmm. when you find a good neighbor you say hey let's let's keep this thing going let's keep this place our own and okay. then you know uh the the great genocide happened and yeah. and uh, the the great spirit was not able to save the matoka from the same fate that befell so many peoples okay yeah and then at that point the need arose for someone to be granted uh, a superhuman ability to yeah. protect the remaining Matoka so that the tribe could continue to exist. Yeah. There has to be something, something yeah. left, some, some bulwark against total annihilation. Yeah. So Nightwolf is the new name of Grey Cloud. Grey Cloud, after being shot, stabbed, left for dead, is all of a sudden granted superhuman powers in a super cool costume. Yeah. He does have some dope looks. <laughs> he does. And uh, becomes essentially the superhero who is now going to defend the Matoka. And I believe then beats the shit out of Kano and chases the Black Dragon like out of... Yeah, he definitely gets the Black Dragon off their lands. Yeah, yeah. chases him off. Uh, and from that day forward becomes uh, the defender of the Matoka alongside... Is, is the Great Spirit the wolf that is with... Uh, Nightwolf, or is no, the wolf just like a... The wolf, uh, the great spirit takes the form of a wolf, but is not literally a wolf. And okay. then, you know, he he's able to kind of channel some of that great spirit energy to not necessarily Aquaman, the, the wolves, right. like Aquaman with fish, but, uh, but, but to have an affinity with them. Okay, because it does seem like Nightwolf has like these like uh, green magic uh, or blue magic um, like familiars. Those are I would say, I would call them familiars. Okay, yeah, cool. Because he can't like the Great Spirit isn't like a weapon that he can wield, right? Uh, but the Great Spirit gives him the power that allows him to to pull that stuff off. Tight. <laughs> so, so deep. So deep. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so for for years, uh, Nightwolf serves the Matoka. Yep. Defends them. Until uh, the point that Raiden approaches and says, hey, listen, um, you may already be aware of the Mortal Kombat tournament and about the many realms, uh, but regardless, we've lost nine tournaments in a row. A tenth tournament's coming up. I'm going to ask if you would come and fight in that tournament and defend Earth, because if we lose, Earth will be consumed and merged uh, with Outworld and everyone will die, including the Matoka that you are meant to protect. Yeah. And Nightwolf is like, well, yeah, I mean, my hands are tied. I guess I'll go fight in a fighting tournament. Can't be a friendly neighborhood Nightwolf if there's no neighborhood, sir. <laughs> so Nightwolf heads off to uh, luxurious, beautiful Shang Tsung's Island. <laughs> uh, where do you see Shang Tsung's Island existing, by the way? I've uh, always wondered, like, it's because it's on Earth, right? No, it exists between worlds. Oh, so it's between... It's sort of like you go to a Bermuda Triangle type area and you pass through a mystical oh. barrier. And then you're there. And if Mm -hmm. you sail out the other way, in in concept, you can go to Outworld or you can go somewhere else. Okay. So it's just in a magical sort of place that's in the like thread that barely connects. Yeah. And that's why like sort of when when Jackie and Jax go in MKX to Shang Tsung's Island, there's this like mist and you can't really see and they have to like break through the fog. And that's, they're actually crossing a dimensional barrier at that point into this sort of limbo zone. Okay. Well... Nightwolf goes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside Liu Kang, who he meets, and he meets Sonya Blade, and he meets 
uh, Johnny Cage. It's very accessible. Everyone can get there yeah. quite easily. It seems you just need a boat. <laughs> just need a boat. A boat and some uh, coordinates. Yeah, yeah. And you're good to go. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Nightwolf, uh, you know, he gets there and sort of like in the first timeline how he met everyone in Chicago. This time he meets them on Shang Tsung's Island. He participates in the fighting tournament. And one thing that I found kind of striking that happens at that tournament is that he fights uh, Scorpion, mm-hmm. who is somebody who similarly has a past with a lot of anger in it. Yeah. Um, and has actually become his anger. He's almost like um, you could extrapolate what Nightwolf sees in him as if Grey Cloud had never let go of that anger yeah. and had been consumed by it. That's like who Scorpion is. He's literally a rage-filled revenant. Uh, I like that way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, and so Nightwolf actually says to him at the fight, before they fight, he's like, hey, just so you know, you don't have to uh, be, you don't have to live by rage. Like You can appeal to your better nature. And he kind of implies there like that he's not defined by his past either. Yeah. Um, but Scorpion's like, shut the fuck up and they fight, uh, and he does not win, but doesn't get killed either. Um, and ultimately at the end of that tournament, obviously, as we know, Liu Kang wins, Earth wins, Earth is not destroyed. Yep. And Nightwolf is like, all right, guys, see you later. I'm returning to the Matoka. Yep. Until... As happened in the first timeline, the invasion of Earthrealm. Shao Kahn's like, fuck that. Shao Kahn's like, fuck this, I'm invading Earth again. <laughs> so, Leroy uh, Jenkins. <laughs> so he does invade Earth, and uh, Nightwolf again returns to Chicago, but for the first time, for this iteration of Nightwolf. For the first time. Fights again. alongside of his friends there, and even recruits uh, personally uh, a SWAT team officer uh, named Curtis Stryker. Because, you know, he, has a, he had some run-ins with the law in his past. So, oh. you know, Great Cloud, Great Cloud maybe knows some cops. It's another little arc there. He's like coming now. He loves the cops. Yeah. Yeah. He's coming <laughs> or at least this one cop. He, well, he he turns the corner and the cop's like, oh, shit, I booked that guy. And then he's like, no, 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 wait. <laughs> we need to save the Earth together. Oh, thank God. I thought you were going to kill me. And it also, what's happening? Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I saw a minotaur just now. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, those exist. No, there's no minotaurs. There's centaurs. Yeah, centaurians, specifically. There's gonna, there's Different from a classical centaur. There's going to are like, I knew Sean Kittleson didn't know shit. He's a piece of shit. He's he doesn't know anything. Piece of shit. Fucking idiot. I bet he doesn't even like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I bet he never even played it before MK9. I think it's clear by now that you don't like Mortal Kombat. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so while this war is occurring on the, in the streets of Chicago... Uh, Raiden is like, hey, Nightwolf, uh, I just found out that Quan Chi, uh, a sorcerer who you haven't met yet in this timeline, but who in well. the previous timeline was part of the Deadly Alliance and did a bunch of dumb shit. Yeah, he's a nasty boy. Yeah, he's a nasty boy. Uh, he's trying to make something called a Solnado. It's a, it's a tornado of souls. Uh, he's, like, he's like, you're sure it's not a Sharknado? <laughs> yep. We it's, dealt with no, it's a Solnado. Like, I'm telling okay. you, it's, it's a different thing. Uh, but he's like, yeah, uh, it's super bad, and uh, I need you and... Uh, uh, Sub-Zero, who's a cyborg in this timeline. Who's Sub-Zero? What's a cyborg? Don't worry about it. I need the two of you guys to go and stop that Solnado from, from being a thing because it's bad. What, why is a robot helping me? Well, Don't worry about it. Because he's good at it. Yeah. Just, just trust. He's an ice robot. <laughs> and he's a ninja. He's all three. Uh, look, if the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles can be Teens, Mutants, and Ninjas, and Turtles, I think this guy's allowed to be a ninja and a cyborg. And a cryomancer. And a snow cone machine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so Nightwolf and a robot go uh, to probably the Netherrealm, maybe Outworld. Uh, Some realm where there is a Solnado. 
to to fuck it up. I think they're in the Nether Realm at that point. Yeah, they're probably in the Nether Realm. That's like a good place to put uh, both Quan Chi and a Solnado. And another reason they're probably in the Nether Realm is that they fight uh, another Revenant type being named Noob Saibot, who, unbeknownst to the robot that Nightwolf is hanging out with, is that robot's older brother. Yeah, it's a whole yeah, thing. There's a lot of. I'm your brother. Uh-huh. That's, that's, uh... <laughs> there's, there's a lot of elements in play, uh, but in his wisdom, Nightwolf sees this Solnado and goes, well, Solnado, only way to destroy that thing is to kick a corrupted soul into it. So he does exactly that. He literally kicks Noob Saibot, who is a corrupted soul, into the Solnado. He swirls all up in that thing, and it explodes. It's it's what happens when you mix you know, your AC with your DC. Yeah. You just, you can't. A soul explosion. Soul explosion. They cross, <laughs> they cross the streams. Yeah. Cross the, the soul streams. Them streams have been crossed, and a soul explosion occurs, and Nightwolf is like, great, mission accomplished, I'm out. Dude, Nightwolf and the Soulnado would have been such a great, like, psychedelic jazz band or something. I don't know. I, There's I still, still time. There's still time. Yeah, yeah. You could make that psychedelic jazz band. No, that would be cultural appropriation. You write. I'm assuming you play bass. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. No, I do not slap the bass. Okay. No. Well, uh, I just feel like you could. I bet I could if I tried. Yeah, there's less strings. It's really the easier guitar to, to learn. Is I'm what, really good is at Beat Saber, so I, I maybe oh. have a percussion talent that I haven't tapped yet. Okay, well then, yeah, yeah you could at least play on the, in in Nightwolf and the uh, and the Solnados. <laughs> Uh, so the Nightwolf mission accomplished. Unsolnados the Solnado with a soul explosion returns to his friends to celebrate. Cause it seems like in this timeline all's going well. Yeah. Uh, and while they're celebrating, all of a sudden, a bunch of other cyborg ninjas, uh, who are frenemies of cyborg Sub-Zero, attack the friend hangout. Um, and while the, the good, the good boy friends are fighting those people, uh, all of a sudden, Queen Sindel, uh, who is like a former queen of Adenia. we haven't mentioned at all yet. We have not mentioned her at all. <laughs> She's a former queen of Adenia, a realm that was conquered a really long time ago by Shao Kahn. She's been dead. Now he's resurrected her. She is uh, going to be. She's now. Now that she's resurrected, she's like super powerful. Well, then her soul. She she has had her soul fused with the soul of Shang Tsung. Right, which contained like a thousand souls because yeah. Shang Tsung was a soul eater. So there's just like a bunch of souls inside of Sindel. And uh, long story short, she is dispatched to kill Liu Kang and all his friends. Uh, who happen to be hanging out with Nightwolf in this moment, but Liu Kang's not there. And so they do. They slaughter everyone, including Nightwolf, yeah. in front of him. Nightwolf is actually the last man standing at this showdown. Sonya Blade is not there. Johnny Cage is not there. But pretty much everyone else that Nightwolf has ever met or befriended uh, outside of the Matoka are there and all get slaughtered. They all get punked. In front of them. They all get punked. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so Nightwolf, one of the most controversial scenes in the history of Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like easily slaughters most of the main characters. Yeah, in yeah. Mortal Kombat lore. Yeah. Um, Nightwolf is like, oh no, she's obviously way too powerful. That escalated quickly. We need to do something. Well, he does do something that actually parallels very much the sacrifice that he made in the first timeline. Mm-hmm. He uses all of the powers that have been imbued in him uh, by the Great Spirit to kill Sindel and himself. Yep. Um, and so uh, in a massive blast of energy, Nightwolf kills Sindel and kills himself, but unfortunately in doing so, uh, relinquishes his soul in this battle that's been ongoing in Chicago. Yeah. And Quan Chi, that shitty uh, sorcerer who made the Solnado, had, had brokered a deal to... 
to get any soul that expired during that battle for free as a slave in the yeah. Netherrealm. And so what happens to Nightwolf? Well, Nightwolf, I mean, he had a he had like a mic drop, the best mic drop ever, where he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm taking you out and I'll take myself out with you. It's worth the cost. And then he gets to the other side of that and he's like, oh, I'm such a boss. I just did this. They're like, no, 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 no. You're a revenant slave now. Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? I did yeah. everything right yeah. and I didn't get rewarded. And then he kind of disappears for a bit into the, the folds of the nether realm and, and helps Liu Kang and, and once... I well, don't know if we're skipping ahead. But. Yeah, there's a little bit. I mean, essentially, Nightwolf starts to play a very minor role because he basically becomes a part of a small army yep. of Mortal Kombat good guys yep. who, who are bad guys. Who are now, now uh, undead bad guys that yeah. are being controlled by a shitty necromancer. And so um, Nightwolf's personality is basically stripped from him. He is just a being of pure evil yep. and rage. And uh, first he fights with Quan Chi to try to resurrect uh, the fallen elder god Shinnok, who they all worship. Um, they do, then Shinnok's defeated, then for decades he's just serving Quan Chi, probably longer than he was alive as not a revenant. Yes. He is just serving an evil master uh, as a slave, Um, and eventually Shinnok is resurrected again and defeated again, and then Liu Kang, uh, who again used to be the savior of all of humanity... Becomes the king of hell. King of hell. And so does, uh, and, and Katana, his his love, becomes the queen of hell. Yeah. They're finally able to be together. She but as hell uh, You know, Lucifer and wife. And, yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, Nightwolf is just one of their servants, like part of their dark army, always trying to get revenge for the lives that were taken from them also cruelly. And he's then, at least a colonel, though. He's not yeah. a general, but he's uh, he's a colonel. Yeah, he's definitely up in the rankings because there are Onis that are just kind of like the fodder. Yeah. And then there's the like, you know, Mortal Kombat heroes who have fallen who are kind of like generals in this in yeah. this army. Yeah. Um, and so Nightwolf just kind of continued doing that throughout uh, the story of Mortal Kombat 11, the most recent game, which you wrote, mm-hmm. uh, in which, uh, you know, Liu Kang, evil Liu Kang kind of throws his weight behind Kronika, a titan who wants to erase all of time. Um, and to Nightwolf and his friends, that's very appealing because they're like, yeah, in this timeline, we got majorly fucked yeah. <laughs> uh, and we want to fix this. And we do blame Raiden for what happened because it all started with him misinterpreting shit. Yeah. So they do. They they serve Kronika. They do some evil shit. But ultimately, at the very end of it, Kronika is defeated mm-hmm. by a good version of Liu Kang from the past. Uh, who has fused with Raiden. Who has fused with Raiden and has godlike power. Yeah. And uh, at the very end of this, all of time is erased. So everything good or bad the Nightwolf ever did is erased. He no longer exists. We are returned to the dawn of time, at which point anything is possible. Anything's possible. Anything could happen from this point on. Literally anything. And so summing up the saga of Nightwolf, uh, he is a guy who always wanted to protect the people uh, who raised him, who uh, he belongs to, who um, are his family. Mm-hmm. And that has uh, steadily extended from his tribe to all of humanity to anyone who stands for the forces of light. Yeah. And uh, in both timelines, and thus you could extrapolate any lifetime he has lived, uh, he has always made the right decisions. Uh, the thing that was right in the moment, even if it had dark consequences. Yeah. Um, because he is a being of pure goodness. While he's always, uh, well, well, in this most recent timeline, you guys did a really good job of making him three-dimensional, 
of making him somebody who had sort of a dark and complicated past and having opinions, he always wound up becoming a hero. He's still basically good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. He's not just a. I don't know. He 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 cares very deeply, and I think the fact that he cares very deeply is why he's so angry. Yeah. It's 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 not because he doesn't care, and he's just pissed that everybody else cares. He doesn't think that everybody else cares enough. Like. Kind of that's that's kind of how I felt as a kid at church. They could be looking around everybody like all these C and E Christians who only show up for Christmas and Easter. I'm here every Sunday. What are you doing? Like that sort of righteous indignation. I I, I think Nightwolf can relate to that a bit. Yeah, and he's been reborn, fitting fitting he's the, born again. the theme of this season. Uh, yes, he's he's been reborn again and again. Yeah, I mean that's why I kind of every single character truly introduced has a moment where they completely change. Who they are. It's not just a retcon. Obviously, Nightwolf has that. Um, but that, like, fundamentally changes them. And for Nightwolf, it was two different instances of his soul being corrupted. Yeah. Um, in one timeline, redeemed. In another, he never really had the chance. Yeah. Um, which is sad. But the second timeline did have a lot of things go a lot more poorly for a lot more people. Yeah. Ra- the Raiden ultimately uh, didn't really succeed. I mean, he succeeded in the very specific goal that he set. Very which is, specific. Which is end Shao Kahn. With, within a very narrow definition of, yeah. of mission accomplished. Yeah. Yes. The Raiden amount of collateral succeeded. damage was very much not worth it. No, it was, it was, it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's sort of, you know, that the that's what bringing it all around that's that was chronic that's what chronica came back to fix in mk11 mm-hmm. was raiden because of the specific choices that he made uh had stacked the deck so far to one side that there was just never going to be a chance for anyone to take on raiden and his champions and maybe raiden is a is a good guy who's doing some bad things for good reasons but ultimately it isn't in the best interest of the universe to have zero balance and to have one side because then that side that started out good will inevitably become a greater evil and just consume everything and there's no, that that's the end game there's nothing left yeah so she has you know strategically pulled the strings to remove the advantages that raiden has um and some of the things that we see you know the reason why retcons have happened and why there's continuity that's different across all the games from era to era and and even from you know mk9 to mkx to mk11 like everybody gets new clothes like how do their clothes change even we see them in the same in <laughs> like the same era different different clothes what's, what's going on uh and it's all chronica just moving things around trying to take away the advantages from raiden and she gets frustrated pulling the strings in small ways mm-hmm. and decides to do something much bigger. And that's that's what MK11 is. And unfortunately, Nightwolf is sort of caught in that, that world. He's caught in the middle of that, yeah. He's caught in the middle of that. But, you know, as you can suppose from him appearing as DLC on the roster now, like, you know, he's he's present. We didn't get to see him in the mk11 story mode he's he's somewhere in the in the world during the mk11 story mode as a revenant uh definitely as a revenant and and even a younger like there's a younger version of him somewhere in the time stream yeah like nightwolf got caught in the middle of chronica's shenanigans and unfortunately like screen time wise this is where i do the writer mea culpa but like in case fans don't know you're given a certain budget for what you can actually do in the story mode. So you're given a certain number of minutes, a certain number of pages that can be written to actually cover the story mode. And you know, MK11 is the story of, of Raiden and Liu Kang 
uh, overcoming all odds to finally resolve some some issues that they've been having since the beginning of the series. Uh, and that's that's what this story is about. So unfortunately, we didn't have screen time for everybody to get their their spotlight the way that they maybe deserve. Uh, it's, I think in every fan's mind, like their character is the one that deserves to be the star. But Nightwolf, uh, he he does deserve to be a star. And I, I think at least in the work, you know, Dominic Chinchold took a lot of the lead of writing his dialogue in MK11. I think killed it. And I'm really think we 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 brought something fun out in the ending. Yeah. Which is the notion that it's a mantle that Nightwolf uh, is is something that can be passed on. So getting to see female Nightwolf. Yeah, I, that, that's two things that I wanted to bring up that are kind of like not necessarily canon, but are definitely interesting. Yeah, is... endings are not canon, by the way. Right. Endings are fan fiction. They're, they're purely speculative. Yeah, but, but two things I do find interesting in that regard, because they could be canon in theory. So like in, in this in second timeline, uh, Nightwolf as we know him disappears uh, decades before Mortal Kombat yeah. 11 takes place. Someone had to have become the, night, the new Nightwolf. And at the end, well, they don't have to. That's the thing. Oh, right. Someone has to like. There has There's to be a moment. There's not always a night wolf. There's not always a night wolf. Someone has to like rise to the challenge. Right. And if you don't have that moment where Kano is is saying, "Give me the artifacts, I'll give it you." It has to specifically be Kano. It, well, yeah, it has to specifically. You got to get Understood. stuck up by Understood. Kano. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has to. There has to be some. There has to be some moment where yeah. where you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that you will sacrifice yourself. Right. Well, I guess I would say that it's like kind of implied by the ending. I think that Nightwolf has in MK11 that it was a woman who did eventually take up that mantle, oh, yeah. or could have taken up that mantle, yep. because you get that imagery of yes, a woman who takes on the title of Nightwolf and is even chasing off the Black Dragon. I think. In, yeah. In that image, so well, because Nightwolf now she's in a timeline that's been manipulated right. by a Time Lord Nightwolf. Right. If so. he were he to become the Lord of Time. Yeah. The other yeah. thing I wanted to bring up that I do think is cool is that in his very first game, mm. um, Nightwolf's ending in Mortal Kombat Three specifically says that the Lakota take over Earth, that they they become the like rulers of Earth, which I think is really interesting because I hadn't I hadn't known that before. Or at least had forgotten if I'd ever been able to beat right. the game as Nightwolf, which I'm not sure that I have. Um, but I do find that interesting because there was a lot of controversy over Jax's arcade ending, which fucking rules Thanks. in MK11, uh, in which he creates a timeline where there's no slavery. And he yep. takes back um, a piece of history for black people. Yeah. Um, and so I think... And we didn't even have them take over the whole earth. No. But it was still... People still got real upset, well, which is really showing your ass. As I'm, a just, I'm just, I'm just a self-hating white man. What can I say? Oh, like, God. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say this: there was a a, a, a call came into NetherRealm that that someone forwarded to me the message, and it was a a young man who heard the Jacks ending and was very affected by it and felt like for the first time that someone was really speaking to him through the games, and and that's who that ending was for. You know the the incels and the racists can can cry all they want about white genocide, uh, even though Jack says he made everything better for all people, not just for one kind of people. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing better in Jax's timeline, uh, you know. But it, it was it was written to to demonstrate that there was an awareness of experience that goes beyond just our typical one. Yeah, I mean, I do. I think I again, I love that that was Jax's ending, and I I do think that it. I was fascinated, I guess, to see something that to me seemed like a, a, a parallel-ish ending sure. for Nightwolf in that original timeline. And again, like it was extra bold because the Lakota 
are real. They're real. People. Yeah, the Lakota Nation. So, like, thing. it's basically it was like the Lakota Nation takes over the Earth at the end of Nightwolf's arcade. That's heavy, ladder. man. It is. Um, and I. And as it's interesting good too, nature. That's, that's also not the Nightwolf who uh, was resentful. Although you could argue that it was, it just wasn't said. Yeah. But that was not the Nightwolf that specifically was resentful of his ancestors for giving up their land to colonizers. Um, so I don't know. I just it was something that I found that struck me as very interesting. That like, yeah. in theory, Gray Cloud may have. Yeah, you specifically say that that's not the future that Gray Cloud crafts uh, in MK11 in his ending, where it's like, what would he do if he controlled time? Yeah. But it was just interesting to me that like way back at MK3, that was an ending that to me sort of did parallel Jax's well, ending in MK11. And I think you know by yeah. the standards of the time, that was considered some racial justice. But sure, but that was also at a time when. You know, it was a clumsy grasp at racial justice. Yeah, a clumsy grasp. You would not be willing to say things like there was a genocide of Native Americans yeah. and it was the white pe- op- oppressors who committed that genocide. Like, yeah. they, they wouldn't go that far. And now we're at a place where, you know, Nightwolf has intros with some of the special forces characters where he straight up calls them out. Like, I don't exactly have a good history with the American military. <laughs> Like, so yeah. like, don't, let's not assume that we're all on the same page here, people. Like yeah. he gets real with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 2019, um, bitch. 2019, okay, <laughs> Uh Yeah. So that's Night's Wolf. That's Night Wolf's story. I, uh, I love Night Wolf. He's always been a favorite of mine. He's, he's pretty awesome. He's, uh, always, he's been one of my mains since MK3, which was the first Mortal Kombat that I really got into like playing. Mm-hmm. Um, still not good as at playing any of the games or as him but i did manage to tackle uh his arcade ladder in uh mk11 it was actually the first one i finished i played through the story mode and i kind of put it down for a minute and then yeah. as soon as the night wolf dlc came out i immediately booted it up and downloaded his character and played through the arcade ladder hell yeah um i just love him so he's, he's badass he's yeah. badass the team in other realm like they've and this sounds like me blowing smoke but like i don't work with them anymore so i, don't, I have no reason to blow this smoke i work <laughs> at skybound on walking dead stuff but uh, really like my reverence and respect for that team uh comes down to look at the versions of the characters that they've been able to produce in this game and injustice to the turtles and injustice to uh the the way that they've brought all of these characters to life in mk11 it, it feels more real than it's ever felt before and there's so many details and so many cool things and bits of the mythology that dominic and i never talked about in the room but that the designers came up with along the way. So it's not just us. There's there's a whole team and a whole company feeding the mythology and seeding it with interesting ideas and cool concepts. And it, it was it was a dream working on this game. Man. You love to hear it. You love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, before we wrap things up, of course, uh, there's one more segment left in the show, and that is Choose Your Destiny. So, Sean, I ask you, were you to exist in the world of Mortal Kombat, which realm would you be from? What would you be? Who would you be? What would your fatality be? Who is Sean Kittleson in the world of Mortal Kombat? So, uh, Sub-Zero's always been my guy. So, I think I would actually want to be an Arctican. I would want to be in Sub-Zero's line somewhere. Yeah. And not necessarily, though, during the modern era of Mortal Kombat, because that kind of seems to just be the era where everything goes wrong and lots of people die all the time. So... I want to go and live in one of the happier times where there's a tournament, but there's not really anything on the line. It's just, you know, for, for fun. Yeah. For sportsmanship. Sure. So you would be an Artican, uh, in Outworld, probably pre Onaga. 
Prionaga. Who's a, just a cryomancer, living yeah. his life, having a good time, doing cryomancer stuff, fishing, maybe, uh, doing me. some like ice fishing. Either that. It's like something to do if you live in an Arctic area. It's either that or I, or I would be Kronika. Oh. Because Kronika, in a lot of ways, represents all of us and, and our obsession with the lore and the headcanon. And I guess there's a part of me that is Kronika because we did that. Like we, yeah. we went out and we, wow. a, lot of, a lot of her plan was, was reflective of us being like, okay, how do, we, how do we bring back some of these classic elements and reconcile them with the current state of affairs and have the characters become more self-aware of these things and create a dialogue between the past and the present. And if you ask me, in my version, because it's my destiny I did, that I've I just did chosen. Ask you. you I did asked, ask you. That's how it started. You did. Damn. <laughs> ah, memory. Uh, no, but but the if it's my destiny and I'm Kronika and I look at the end of MK11 with Liu Kang rebooting the universe, to me, like Kronika's behind a curtain or off to the side out of frame, smiling and being like, yeah, Liu Kang, you did it. You did it. And maybe Kronika was the real hero all along. Whoa. And this whole villain plot was just a way to get Liu Kang to stand up and stop being an evil revenant punk. Maybe. Shit. Maybe. Wow. Uh, one last question before we wrap things up. Where the fuck is Reptile? Oh. <laughs> Can't see him because he's invisible. Is it a spoiler for you to tell me where he is? He's around. He's invisible. He's just hanging out? He's just doing his camo thing, man. All right. Just fair. like in the movies That's where it's fair. like, you know, I can't, I couldn't see him. Oh, he's a statue. Yeah. Oh, he's invisible. I, like, had, I had to ask her. Kirby uh, would kill me because he's her favorite. I think, uh, I think, I think Reptile deserves love and respect. He He's the best. But, but he is, he's there. I promise he's in every frame of story mode. He's just <laughs> invisible. He's constantly staying he, around. Even when it's cutting between two people staying across from each other having a conversation. Yeah. He's no, in both shots. If, if you look at running the final, back and forth. final battle, you know, at the Isle of Kronika, you might see a random bad guy just, you know, thwip across the screen real fast. That's He's being pulled by an invisible tongue. <laughs> Uh, much like the, you know, like the hook pulling you off the stage. Like I should be pulled off now before I say anything else that the fanboys hate. And this is it, Sean. uh, (laughs) That's it. Thanks so much for being on the show. If people want more Sean Kittleson in their lives, where can they get it? Uh, You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kittleson, K-I-T-T-E-L-S-E-N. And uh, you can pick up my new comic book, Heart Attack, out from Image and Skybound. Uh, Issues one and two are in stores now, and number three will be out uh next month so it's a superhero superhuman teenage romance set in a near future austin where resistance uh, minded teenagers are fighting against an oppressive police force so totally not relevant to anything that's happening in the real world <laughs> yeah and you told me earlier that reptiles in every frame of the comic as well but also invisible yes reptile actually unites the world of heart attack and mortal combat because of his invisible presence in every frame and panel right. i specifically asked Eric Zavadsky, my co-creator on Heart Attack, to not draw Reptile, even though he's there. He's in the script. It's like, and Reptile is there. Sure. But please don't draw him. He's invisible. Great. <laughs> uh, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was it was a pleasure. This was wonderful. It was. Uh, it was cathartic. Got to get more MK people on here and uh, make them spill secrets. Man, I would love I would love to to bring Dominic and. Uh, it'll happen i would love to bring the whole netherrealm crew let's get ed and yeah vogel i don't have a large home but i'm sure we could figure it out I'm sure we can get them all here i do want to get ed on 
very badly. That's the that's you gotta save it. that for the last one. That's gotta be for like your Armageddon episode. I gotta make it happen. Or, like it yeah. finally happen. Yeah, and Mortal Podcast Armageddon. That'd be awesome. <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, that's it for today. We'll be back next week, season three, baby. And until then, finish it. <laughs>